This is DMOU, Destination Marketing Organization University, the DMO Sector's podcast, and I'm your host, Bill Geist. DMOU is where you hear the best and the brightest in the destination marketing space, sharing innovative and compelling stories to inspire you to take your destination and organization to the next level. The format for our conversations on DMOU is elegantly simple. It's three questions and a bonus round, and today's episode is sponsored by our friends at Carvertize. So let's say you're the DMO in Des Moines football season is upon us, why not send a fleet of wrapped Uber and Lyft cars to the markets you covet, like the fans of Iowa and Iowa State football? Tens of thousands of potential visitors are all in one place at Kinnick and Trice, and you can touch them with your message circling the stadiums. Carvertize has helped hundreds of national brands and DMOs extend their messaging to where people live through a fleet of over a half million wrapped Uber and Lyft cars. So it's NFL game day, fairs and festivals, farmers markets, Anywhere where people congregate, you can touch them with your destination's magnetism with Carvertize. Learn how your destination can dominate the streets at Carvertize.com. And now it's on to our show. Andreas Weisenborn is the VP of Research and Advocacy at Destinations International. He was introduced to the industry by a random internship application to visit Baltimore, and you can hear about that on one of his previous appearances here on DMOU in the bonus round question. Andreas began an unexpected career that left him with a passion for tourism and advocacy. He leads the research and advocacy efforts of Destinations International with an eye towards developing data-driven tools to help destinations around the world tell their unique story. Andreas, welcome back to DMOU. Thank you, Bill. Glad to be here again. Yeah, and been enjoying the architects of advocacy that you guys have been rolling out over the past number of months. Uh, it's a great podcast. We encourage everybody to uh, sign up and uh, subscribe to that one as well as this one. But you know, prior to DI's annual convention in Toronto this summer, the foundation of Destinations International established a challenge for sector professionals to come together to tackle existential issues that face our world. Now, as part of the foundation, is really intended to be the industry or the sector's think tank. Tell us about the genesis of the Destinations International Foundation Challenge. Yeah, absolutely. And thank you, Bill, for both to be on again and the question. I'll back up just a little bit just to give some context on who is the Destinations International Great. Foundation and yep. just how important it is to our sector. You know, first and foremost, I think people don't quite always realize how many things the foundation has created or incubated that the broader membership enjoys. Its goal and its mission is to be the incubation of ideas that can manifest the tools or even events towards the, the broader membership. And a couple of quick examples, you know, 10 plus years ago, the event impact calculator, EIC, yeah, was an incubation right. over from the foundation. Our recent EDI work would not be possible without the foundation. The tourism lexicon, community shared value, none of that would be fees without the foundation. Even myself, people and events, um, I was a grant uh, on behalf of the foundation for a research initiative. Advocacy Summit, uh, which is upcoming, I know we'll talk about, was an incubation idea from the foundation. So the foundation is always as part of its nature of being a testing ground for new ideas to see where something sticks. So with this prior to annual convention, we wanted to do something a little bit different, mostly because of the electricity that is in the room because of annual convention. You know, the ability to have like similar minds together to discuss topics and issues. We wanted to find a way to sort of harness that. One thing in particular with annual convention is the addition of the 30 under 30s, the new class who attend there. And we thought, man, wouldn't it be great if there's a way of combining the new minds of the 30 under 30 class with 
industry veterans to look at almost like a hackathon type mentality of two core issues or thoughts that we're, we're looking at. And that kind of was set apart what we call the Destinations International Foundation Challenge. So when the onset was in the beginning of the spring, we were really kind of looking at two core issues that we said, okay, what can we break the great minds and young minds uh, from annual convention to two groups to discuss? The first, and this happened again, a little bit before the events of Uvalde and Buffalo, but we were seeing rising crime and safety across our destinations. Here, our members talk about it all through the late winter and through the spring. And again, you know, I, I realize we're talking this, but post some of those really violent events regarding to gun violence, but we saw rises in petty crime, you know, uh, property crime, road rage, all those type of things that we said, okay, what is the role of a destination organization there? So we knew that was one we wanted to tackle. And the second one, the, the need for a destination promotion community indicator, this goes way, 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 way back to actually kind of the protogenesis of the community shared value where we have these industry metrics. A lot of times the critical stakeholders don't understand them or believe in them or can get their arms. <laughs> Sounds familiar, right? Mm -hmm. We thought, okay, if you go back to the, one of the core beliefs, right? We believe destination promotion is a common good, you know, other common goods, clean water, safety, education. You know, when I ask someone, you know, or tell someone what a corresponding community's graduation rate is, that's a very easy metric to understand, to explain, okay, I have some semblance of how well the education system is doing, maybe how well students study or teachers are performing, so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. We need something similar. So those were kind of the two we thought, okay, let's take this unique opportunity being in Toronto together at a time opportunity way to see, let's walk through these and see what the, the great minds talk about and deliver. Um, and it was a huge success and we definitely want to repeat it. And that's kind of where we thought, okay, there's something here, to, you know, to put great minds together and especially the influence of the new minds, the 30 to 30s, to see how they look and face issues and combine that with, you know, veterans and how they look at it. Um, we thought this is too good to, to pass up. And we were very pleased to see how it sort of got executed as part of the group. And I got to give you credit on including the 30 under 30s in those think tank sessions in Toronto, because I remember when I walked into the room, I thought, of course, I'm probably not reading my email very carefully. I thought it was going to be a bunch of us from the foundation, and I'm honored to serve on the foundation once again this year. I thought it was going to be all foundation people talking about these issues. And I see all these 30 under 30s in the room, and I'm going, am I in the right room? Because this doesn't look right. And But it, it kind of clicked with me because one of the things that we had done, I don't think they still do it, but I, one of my favorite parts of the Upper Midwest CVB conference, we would have roundtables and we would have the, the participants in the conference deal with issues, questions. And they they aren't as big as, as crime and community measurement. They were you know more day-to-day -day stuff, but they'd be working on this stuff. And so I would be the, the facilitator. I'd moderate. I would give them their questions, say, y'all got 10 minutes to do this, and then you're all going to report out. And I would just kind of bounce between tables and, you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> listen in and try to get a sense of what they're talking about so I know how to do the report out session. I always would be listening to somebody who was in their 20s or maybe their 30s who was new, who was fresh to the industry, and they would say, well, what about this? And I would think to myself as the old guy in the room, that's the dumbest idea. Oh my God, that would work. Holy shit. How did we never think of that? <laughs> and yet it is the new yep. generation coming in who is questioning 
well, why would you do it like that? Why wouldn't you do it like this? Yep. That I think is the lifeblood of our industry. And it, it was so exciting to be in that room with that great mix of foundation people, a few vendors, and then a bunch of 30 under 30s. Uh, the, the sessions I sat in on were great. And one thing to drive home, again, just about how important the foundation is. Again, 30 under 30 is only possible because of the Destination National Foundation. Yeah. And to, to right. take it to the next level where they got a chance to just do probably one of the most prime networking of their lives, you know, to get introduced to, um, you know, individuals like yourself and others who were there, that is such a unique opportunity. And we were so happy and excited to see how it got executed. And, you know, to feel the collective energy and bright minds uh, bouncing off of each other was was really, um, you know, intoxicating to watch and, and to witness. Yeah, it was great. So your next two questions are going to focus in on those two topics. So one of the challenges, as you said, is violent crime and how it has the potential to impede our work as DMO pros to attract meetings, events, visitation. So what did you hear or what did the team hear in Toronto and what are DMOs doing in this space about trying to address in some way violent crime? What we're fundamentally talking about is, you know, safety and security here, which is vital to a brand. And I think Maybe before this, desertizations might have thought, ah, you know, this is the, the police department's role or other civic agencies that are handle that. But it's come to sort of a breaking point where we start to think, well, no, we actually possibly have a, a role to play now. We, we understand destination organizations will not be the single source solution to solve safety and security. However, right. think of everything where we, we do well, right? You know, stakeholder engagement. We sit across tables all the, all the time that connect civic, social, public, and private agencies and bring them all together and synthesize it in strategy, we're very uniquely qualified to be a voice at the table. So even prior to annual convention, we did probably 10 plus hours of listening tours across all the various committees asking this question, how do you see safety and security and violent crime in your destination, your community? What are ways you've interacted with it and, and so on and so forth? So when we got to the annual convention, we had a, a pseudo sort of light framework of what we had sort of seen that really got emphasized more uh, after annual convention. It really came down to sort of four, I would call, opportunities that desertizations have that intersect along safety and security. And again, I'll, what I said in the beginning, we know will not be a single source solution, but there are solutions we can offer. And they really kind of came in four kind of categories. Um, really came down to sort of what are active, passive, supporting, or even take a pass opportunities. So active, we saw examples where desertizations, you know, I, I, I've said this on many times before, but we really live in the golden era of data and analytics on what we do. Mm -hmm. It's one thing for us to use it for our primary visitor and visitor economy stakeholders, but think how much that an asset is to other entities like the, the local government or particularly police forces. We saw examples where desertizations would pull a chair up to those tables and say, hey, police force, we have all this data on how visitors are, are arriving to our destination, when they're arriving, critical points. We want to share some of this information with you all so you have a better understanding of when our, maybe you have to ramp up you know, safety and security or police force in an area, help dispel you know, perceptions that it's always the visitor that's causing yeah. the issue or vice versa, you know, we really saw that, okay, there's opportunities here for desertizations to come already to the table offering solutions versus criticism per se as one of it. The other aspect that sort of came out of it was, again, was when we just need to listen. You know, again, there are 
entities that engage, you know, particularly around violent crime, you know, uh, uh, police and other social services that we should feel comfortable pulling up the table to listen to them, to hear what are their ideas and solutions and what are ways we can support it and offer our lens to it. Again, our unique perspective is, is so much of stewarding a brand. This safety and security deeply affects our brand. It's what not only influences people to, to choose to visit, but also makes their decision whether they choose to live there, to take a job there, all that type of stuff. So we are uniquely tied to that type of stuff. And then lastly was really sort of areas where we maybe shouldn't be involved. And we call it the sort of take a pass, you know, note of stuff. You know, an example of something like that is maybe putting out there saying, you know, when maybe an incident or something occurs in your community and almost trying to obfuscate it by saying it only happened this one block, you know, or it only happened this one small area. It doesn't affect the whole time. But perception is real. And perception is one of those things that affects the brand, you know, whether you physically see it or not. And that's maybe not an area we need to address. And we saw some great examples. Um, I'm going to talk about Portland, Oregon for a second, you know, over the summer of 2020, you had a great amount of unrest post, you know, George Floyd and whatnot. Right. But if you go on their website today, they have front and center information about visiting their community, safety and security, and they put it right there front and center, um, which I think that's the role we should play there saying not try to obfuscate it that it didn't happen, or there's only having a small quadrant, but use our broader platform to have some clarity as part of it. And again, it, it was something we, again, all solutions we knew were, were not the single source, but man, we have a seat at the table we can either pull a chair up to or bring, create our own table to bring our parties together to talk and collaborate because it is going to take an entire community to help solve and make meaningful change. But that is something we as a sector are so very, very uniquely qualified to do. Absolutely. And I think very much that if there's not a seat at the table, we create our own. I, I've always subscribed to that. You know, it was interesting. This isn't uh, at the level of violent crime, but it, it's no less uh, important. We were doing some work um, earlier this year in Walton County, Florida, which is in the panhandle. And during the revenge tourism of 2020, 2021, when things began to open back up again, we saw people who really were not beachgoers. They weren't sophisticated in how you beach. And didn't understand that there are going to be some serious rip currents, and those are denoted by the you know the four different flags that says okay, do not get in the water, or the water is safe, and everything in between. There were some fairly high-profile drownings. One family who were told by the hotel, "Don't go in the water; it's dangerous today." And then they did, and they all perished. The bureau stepped in pretty aggressively with a really big billboard campaign to teach people what the flags mean. Because think about it, you know, if you're an unsophisticated traveler, or even if you're a local who's never been paying attention to the flags, you don't know what what they mean. You don't know that it's, you you can't get in the water today. And so we did some research, some consumer research and some uh, local resident research. And the community was really, really proud of the bureau there because they had addressed an issue that everybody was upset about. I mean, nobody wants visitors to your community to drown or die. Yeah. And so did they solve the problem? No, there'll be more drownings, but, but they're probably going to be fewer. And so, uh, you know, of any organization in Walton County, who was the best positioned to do that kind of a campaign? And it was... 
Yep. You know, it was the TDC and the DMO. Yeah. I mean, again, it goes back to just the, the, the emphasis on us being the primary steward of a brand. You know, everyone knows the famous Margas quote, the circle of life, it all begins with the visit. Right. If I could add or add a little bit of tweak to it at the very beginning, it begins with the brand. The brand is what inspires you to visit or to, to live visit, or whatnot. Right. Yep. But but the point being, though, is that we we, we steward that brand. We've That's what we're so very uniquely qualified to do. It's just taking the context of brand management out of solely destination promotion, but actually, you know, we're talking elements of destination management here, placemaking and stuff like that, that affect quality of place or create quality of place that influences quality of life. And again, it's this is in our wheelhouse of primary skills and skill sets. Um, we're just using a, a really a different and a big, you know, societal issue in a new way that we've never have done before as a sector. Yeah. So the other challenge, and this was the room that I was in, and thank you for the invitation because it was the conversation was fascinating. The other challenge addresses how we can create a destination promotion community indicator that goes beyond room nights and economic impact. Now, one of the foundation's publications, it's got to be what, at least 10, if not 15 years old, is is how we track what it is we do. But those tracking mechanisms are in our language, not in the community's language. This is really focusing on how we can show our impact to our residents, to our community leaders. Tell us how the challenge on a destination promotion community indicator is going. We as an industry, you know, really since post 9-11, we mean, we've been the biggest we've ever been. And we have so much a plethora of logical data points that emphasize, you know, how important we do, how much economic impact we generate to visits. You know, it's very, 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 very logical minded. The yeah. problem is, though, is that we just simply live in illogical <laughs> times now. Yeah. We live in very emotional and story times with. And the problem is, is sort of our metrics and measurements haven't adapted with us. Now, I'm not saying we should not have logical metrics. Those need to be a foundation, but we need to look at different ways that we affect or influence our community that might be more emotional and story. So prior to the, you know, again, I think I mentioned earlier on, this was something that stemmed back really from 2017, 2018, 2019, the onset of, you know, the community shared value that, you know, the public argument for why you need to invest in destination promotion, because it gave a way for people to fundamentally understand and value you. But people need to fundamentally understand how to measure us too. So for this particular one, we set out when we looked at other common goods, you know, how does education look at themselves? How does, you know, very benign, but, you know, Department of Public Works and sanitary departments and uh, economic development, roads and bridges and all that uh, type of really core common goods. Mm-hmm. And we came up to sort of three questions each one of those has to answer. And for us, for our sector, it was pretty simple. The first was, you know, you need something that fundamentally explains what does a destination organization do. It follow up with that was it needs to give an understanding of how well did the destination organization do it. And then the third was, is the community fundamentally better off, you know, citizens, residents, fundamentally better off because of it. And the conversation went really in a way I didn't fully expect. Um, and I think it was maybe only would have happened because of the influence of new minds here was right. you had individuals talking about not like room nights, but logical metrics that we don't typically take credit for, even though we highly influence. Good example is, you know, one of the few winners in 2020 was real estate, right? And real estate agents. What's the first thing every agent does when they meet you to sell a home? You know, they tell a potential buyer, 
this is a great community. That's like the first thing they say before they even get into two bathrooms, a pool and whatnot. But that's our work, right? We help bolster it and, and show the branding of that community. So it brought to light all those type of metrics we typically don't think about much, you know, home sales, new business licenses, new residents, attendees that come to the, the local college or businesses, all those that, that really like, oh, we play a hand in this. We got to bring this to the, to the main stage of articulating, you know, when we do well, these other metrics do well too. The other part of it was really the emotional side, the, the quality of life metrics, passion metrics that I don't think we have never really sort of dabbled into. We as a society, especially as, Amer- you know, as Americans, emphasize so much on GDP or gross domestic product, but we seldom talk about it from the lens of happiness, you know, you know gross national happiness. So it was interesting to hear some of the participants talk about people's metrics of feeling like a sense of belonging or engagement in community activities from Rotary Clubs to Boy Scouts to Girl Scouts of America and things like that. And it definitely kind of gave us something new to explore that we're really starting to talk almost a little bit like human psychology, where we're trying to find a way to bridge almost left brain data and right brain data. In order to present our work, you cannot do it with just one or the other. I mean, frankly, we've had decade plus of very logical left brain data. And if that was all we needed, we would be you know, infinitely funded, no problems to be had, so on and so forth. I think it's because we maybe lost sight of some of that right brain belonging, you know, sense of connection to our community type metrics. That's sort of the missing piece to combine it. So does it make to, to really start talking about maybe it's an index that we need to build that combines left and right brain data that makes an index to show how well we are doing at what we're doing. Um, and again, I, th- I want to give credit to, to everyone in that room because I don't think I would have come to that conclusion staring at this had I not heard mm-hmm. all these new voices who, um, you know, 30 and 30s meshing with the veterans and seeing that unfold right there and then that, oh, this is aha moment. It's not just only very heavy logical data, but no, it's left and right brain data. We have to try to come together to formulate an index. And again, I just have to emphasize how important this is for people to care about what we do. They need to value us. You know, that's the community shared value. They need to understand how we articulate it. That's the tourism lexicon. And they need, the final piece is really how they measure us, right? And how we measure ourselves. And this really is the destination promotion community indicator index idea. Yeah. And a whole concept of our ROI to a community, to our investors, we got sucked into this vortex of using room nights. And I'm not saying that room nights is bad, but room nights has a critical flaw. We can count meetings at conventions. We can count tournaments. We can't count leisure, at least not as well as we can the other two. So as the old line goes, you know, what gets counted gets done. A lot of our organizations really focused on meetings at conventions and tournaments. And that's not where a lot of the residents and community leaders live. Yeah. I mean, that's great and everything. And, and when you explain it to them, they go, oh, that's nice. But it's not in our everyday quality of life, quality of place, great place to be, places to be proud of, places where people want to bring their their talents, their fortunes, their creativity to make us even better, all that Richard Florida stuff. And that's really the language. I mean, you guys have been doing it with the lexicon, but this takes us the next step. And that is, how do we articulate 
the things that are, well, as Chip Conley said, I don't think he said it on stage in Toronto, but one of my favorite Chip Conley quotes is, what counts that we're not counting? Yep. That is what this is all about. And I think there's a point to, to double down on this too, is that there are examples in our day-to-day lives that we just take for granted, but we actually don't fundamentally understand them. A good example is you know, here in the United States, we talk often about our state's credit rating mm-hmm. and you know it's AAA to hopefully not triple F. We, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Very, I understand very succinctly, if my state has a AAA rating, an A+, I know that's fundamentally better than a triple B. Right. But however, I don't know the minutia. And it's funny, doing the research on it, you know, the credit rating is made up by, it's called Standards and Poor's, Fitch, and Moody's. I have no idea what those three things look at, but I fundamentally, <laughs> right. but I fundamentally understand, oh, when the credit rating goes up, this means better things for the prosper- economic prosperity for my state. And simultaneously, I know when it goes down, that it's fundamentally worse for the prosperity for my state and that as a whole, the, the Finance Institute is not doing its due diligence to make our community as best as it can be. And I think that was an enlightening point to me was that the community doesn't necessarily have to understand what a room night is or our, our other very heavily you know laden industry metrics. But if they can connect the broader picture, the broader idea that, oh, when this goes up, this improves my you know, livability or quality of life, then I can make the connection back to saying, okay, the desegregation is helping improve that. So I understand when they do well, how I do well too. And I think that was something kind of unique to see that, oh, there's there's other, again, other common goods we can aspire to be like that help set a framework for how this should go for us. Yeah. Well, I think the challenge was a great idea. It got us thinking down different lines when we were in Toronto. And you know, the whole concept of incubating new ideas just in the past month or so of the advocacy committee that meets uh, via Zoom every other week. I mean, we've had conversations on potentially the next two challenges. I mean, a, a great conversation about sustainability and what we are as DMOs doing in that realm and affordable housing. I can't tell you every single destination we work with, affordable housing is at the top of the list and we don't have an answer yet. Yeah. I mean, there are some Interesting case studies that are starting to burble up, but that's probably the most important thing we can be addressing. Not to say that that crime and measurement isn't, but I see that coming as one of the next ones. And who knows, that could be the next challenge for for next year. So let's get to your bonus round. You've been on DMOU a few times, so we're going to switch your bonus round question to let you give our listeners an insight into what they can expect at the Destinations International Advocacy Summit, which is coming up shortly, October 26, 27, 28, in Bloomington, Minnesota. I'm always excited to talk about uh, this event in particular. Again, the theme for this one for us is, you know, the essential elements of a community shared value. We're extremely excited to be back in the Midwest, in Bloomington, in October. Last time we were in the Midwest was in Madison, your hometown. Yep. Um, I always remember Deb Archer told us for the event in November, said, you know, there's only a 30% chance of a blizzard. Um, <laughs> I'm hopeful there's no percent chance of a blizzard in October in Bloomington. Damn, it yeah. was cold. It was so cold. So hopefully it shouldn't be as cold for, for our listeners listening to that. But again, I want to double down on everything you heard me talk about today, you know, with the, the foundation challenges, the next stop in solutions is going to be at the advocacy summit in Bloomington. So not only are you going to see really draft iterations of what some of these solutions and case studies and practices look like, but each one of these is going to be accompanied by a workshop preceding it. So 
you have a chance as an attendee to influence how this looks in final form. And that's what we wanted to bring to the table. Something different was to really put a shirt sleeves on steroids here and give some guiding topics. So not only for the indicator, not only for, you know, safety and security, but, you know, again, we're going to always talk about resident sentiment and things like that. We're going to have many workshops uh, addressing grassroots, all this type of stuff as part of this. In addition, you know, a couple of the, the key staples we'll always have back new research on resident sentiment, the tourism lexicon again, our 2022 edition will be there. Um, in addition to the turn of the, um, the marketplace of ideas for those new, um, this is a unique piece of, you know, programming block on the second day of the programming where we'll have all our partners on concurrent sessions talking about advocacy case studies involving a destination that you can kind of pick and choose almost like your own adventure at looking at these different use cases of your own choice, which we're excited to bring back as part of it. I will also give a small plug as well. If you are doing your CDME, we're also offering CDME prior to the event in Bloomington. Advocacy is one of the courses that is offered there as part of it. So if you do need to finish your CDME or need to get recertified, Highly recommend if you're coming to Bloomington, stay through it and stay through Advocacy Summit as well. It is one of my, you know, a little bit biased because it's my title, but one of myself <laughs> and team's favorite events. It, I think it is such a horizontal summit to get to see the different intersections of people who might not have advocacy in their title, but understand that advocacy is a core part of almost what everyone should do to see all that Mix and intermingle. It's an, it's an incredible event. So um, yeah. I'll make sure to give Bill, uh, if you can't find our website, Destination International, but having the show notes where you can see actually how to register as part of it. Yeah, destinationsinternational.org. And it's right there on the homepage. So you can get right to where you want to go. And don't fear the cold here in the upper Midwest. <laughs> I mean, A, you've moved it to October. That's good. Yep. Because as I tell people, they go, oh, Madison's such a great place. I go, yeah, from Memorial Day to Halloween. <laughs> it's a great place. <laughs> and then it gets pretty damn cold. But I got to tell you, the year before uh, advocacy was here in Madison, those exact same dates in November was a date that Terry and I did our press photo shoot downtown, outdoors, without jackets. I mean, it was like 65 degrees. It was gorgeous. Brave. And the, this was just a quirk of fate that we, it got so cold during those days the following year. But it should be great in Bloomington. We're looking forward to it. And Andreas, always great to check in with you and see what you're doing within the halls of Destinations International. We look forward to how your two challenges evolve on our collective behalf. And we will see you in Bloomington in the next few weeks, brother. Thank you, Ben. And look forward to hopefully you and many others listening to, to see us in Bloomington. Yeah. Let's all join there. That's it for this edition of DMOU. Tell your friends and peers, this is the place where the best and the brightest get together to tell inspiring stories for DMO pros. And thanks, too, to our sponsor, Carvertize. Make sure your destination's message is in front of your target audience wherever they congregate. Carvertize is the nation's leading Uber and Lyft advertising company, literally driving memorable advertising campaigns using a national footprint of over a half million wrappable Uber and Lyft cars. Whether you're looking to reach snowbirds, outdoor enthusiasts, lifestyle experiences, or nearby families, you can count on Carvertize to deliver just like it's done for hundreds of national brands and destination marketing organizations. Learn how your destination can dominate the streets at Carvertize.com. 
dmopros.com. It's where you're going to find more on our services for the DMO world, plus links to past editions of the Z News, the book Destination Leadership, the biggest DMO job board on the planet, as well as links to earlier episodes of DMOU. That's dmopros with a Z.com. Executive producer of DMOU is Terry White, and this is a production of DMO Pros. I'm your host, Bill Geist. Until next time.